all of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing and that our journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson. My good friend Greg Ferrand and I are also on this journey of becoming. We are both dedicated to inviting you into our journeys and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey that we all find ourselves on. We want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of our biggest allies. We have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And we believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the uh, Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Patterson, hanging out with me today. Also, as always, or so far as always, is uh, my good buddy, Greg Theron. Greg, how's it going, man? Good, man. Good. I'm still just uh, basking in the reality. I know that the space-time continuum is bent when we record, uh, and we're not quite sure when things drop, but we literally just finished Theology Beer Camp uh yeah. a few days ago and i'm just again i'm just still uh basking in i mean just the richness and you know obviously we know it's going to be intellectually uh expanding and thought-provoking uh but so much more than that I, i'm i i just i acknowledge the the limitation uh of the mind in and of itself that you know like we always talk about josh we know people we can write dissertations on the love of God, forgiveness, social justice, but information alone doesn't change us. It's and, and what I felt like in that space, it was what I felt the most was a deep sense of belonging that mm-hmm. there are people that just accepted our beautiful, fucked up selves just <laughs> as we are and celebrated and welcomed the real us. And anyway, I just felt that. And, and it was, you know, a, 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 like you were, we were talking about before is like a spectrum of folks from like 16 to 76 uh of of you know so many different walks of life and paradigms coming to just experience and explore so I, i'm sorry for blathering on but i just feel like i'm it's still basking in the beauty of that so big props to trip uh for his willingness to take a risk and create that space and i met people from all over the country there were people there from different parts of the world and so anyway man i just it's a trip you're probably listening man just want to say thank you uh that was fantastic and i can't wait for the next one yeah i agree trip thank you so much uh for letting us hang out and crash it was a blast i was telling uh uh greg and also our guest who um if well We'll talk to them in a second. I feel bad leaving you guys just kind of hanging out on the sideline. <laughs> so I'll, I'll wave to you guys and say hi. 
We're talking oh, to we're the saying thank you to Trip. We're saying thank you to Trip as well for putting yeah, on that we're event. in this heart energy with you guys. Yes. We're, there, we're still benefiting from it. Oh, uh, yeah. Straight up. Well, it was, seriously, like I was, I was telling you before we started recording, it was the first time um, when I was in because uh, it was literally like physically in a church, which was already kind of stressful for me because I don't like going into those anymore. Um, but I, it was the first time I was in a church space where I felt I could be fully uh, myself in a way where I didn't have to watch, you know, my theology or, you know, my language or whatever. I could just be myself. I was accepted, welcomed and celebrated. Um, and so was everybody else in the space. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was just so cool to see all these people come together. There's like 250 of us. Um, most of us never even met each other before. And just like there was this immediate just connection. Uh, and like, I don't know. It was it was sweet. Uh, we need more things like that. <laughs> yeah, we do. Right on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so enough of beer camp. We don't want Tripp's ego to get too big. Um, we'll kiss your ass a little bit trip so we can come back next time but this is the last time we say nice things about you um so but with us uh today we do have uh two guests and we have trace and tina uh with us today guys how are we doing amazing thanks so much for having us this is gonna be fun well we're we're really excited to talk with you and especially uh, let me so what our listeners know is that my my other work is second breath, which we're all about uh, embodied spirituality, uh, where that we really feel like that embodiment is that missing puzzle piece that's fallen out of Christianity in the West, uh, that we are so head centric, uh, that we neglect the heart, we neglect the body. Um, and so when I, I look at your work, and, and, and your work with open and aware, uh, which I know we're going to dive into, to me, there's so it, it, what I find is what I, what I find across, not just within the the, the, the Christian uh, uh, spectrum, but across the world, it feels like there is this wave, this movement of, and this might sound woo woo, but I don't mean it to. But this kind of the next wave of evolution is not some physical development of the expansion of the cranium. I really believe it's kind of a, a leap in consciousness. It's it's a deep experience of our already existing connected connection with one another, uh, with the cosmos, with nature itself, and with what we call the divine or source or universe. And uh, and I'm finding as I'm surfing this wave of kind of movement that I bump into these other fellow surfers with different language, uh, maybe different emphasis or different facets of the diamond. And so when I was reading your stuff, I was just like, holy shit, this is so good and needed and right now and powerful and our patreon feed can watch the video and just saw that you pumped your arms uh <laughs> and our, our listeners well we have so our listeners that uh but but i think it's resonant so anyway i'm just i'm thrilled to talk with you all not just you know and one of the things that at, at uh, rethinking faith is josh and i don't just we, we love interviewing authors and best-selling thinkers and brilliant theologians and uh, folks that dive in, but one of the things we always love to do is nest it, nest it not just in the cerebral, but in the story, because mm-hmm. everything is emerging uh, from usually from pain, right? Usually, ultimately, the things we're most passionate about are the things we've had to struggle with and work through. So, uh, welcome to Rethinking Faith. We're so stoked that you're here, 
And I can just say on a personal level, what you're doing is so resonant. And I can't wait to both kind of high five uh, in terms of the places of resonance, but also really learn uh, from your unique uh, uh, surfing uh, of this wave. So, so welcome, y'all. Thank you. Oh that my gosh! Thank could you. Not that, be a that, better introduction. I was I'm just so to... glad you've invited us for the next four that hours. That was that was the best welcome ever. Like, that was. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, as Josh normally does, and, uh, you, and, and he invites, and, and this is kind of kind of the classic opening podcast question. But what, for for those uh, folks that don't yet know you and about open and aware and your work, could y'all just kind of, uh, and I say y'all, th- I'm I'm representing the south southeastern <laughs> section of our listening <laughs> audience. Uh, for for y'all, uh, could you kind of nutshell for us? You're, you're who you are and and what you're passionate about what where you, what you spend most of your time in the day doing yeah you can go first we go. We go. okay i'm jumping in so my name's tina olson and i have a background in corporate consulting and strategy i have a master's degree in uh political science with an emphasis in postmodern theory and I grew up with no religion. Uh, my my mom's parents had left Catholicism with the hippie movement. I was born in Berkeley. So um, I came to all of this through, to your point, pain um, and an unexpected spiritual awakening about a decade ago. And it put me on a journey of reclaiming who I truly am from all the conditioning, from all the over intellectualization, um, from all of the ways in which I had sold myself out to these uh, patriarchal capitalist go down the list of all the things that were <laughs> that we're now working so hard to turn the tide on. Um, and I came to this place of really sensing that humans need space. Um, they need space to be seen and heard. They need space to heal. They need space to learn about all of this. We have a lot of inspiration lately coming from, you know, various sources, but continuing to point us back to whether you want to call it heart, mind, spirit, heart, mind, and will, heart, mind, and soul, however we're describing all of this, but like each of these dimensions of us really deserve to have their full due. And I was just completely left brain dominated. And so it was a lot of work um, to re-enter my body, to re-enter my heart space. Once all that started happening, um, I realized that I'm deeply intuitive and that I consider energy as opposed to English to be my first language. It probably is to some degree for all of us, but um, for me especially, I have a very highly tuned antenna to what's going on in the world around me and can change my radio station pretty rapidly if I just like put focus towards that. And So it helped me understand why I had fallen so deeply asleep because this world and like, for example, I was a really good student. And so 
the shutting down of all those other parts of me in favor of the achievement um, meant that I was like a completely anxiety ridden teenager um, and like ended up in so many prisons of my own making. So now if I have to give like a one or two sentence of who I am, I call myself um, an intuitive, an energy healer, a coach, a guide um, through people's spiritual awakenings, but also people's just general consciousness expansion. So that could be happening at any phase. You could you could say I'm still fully like in the whole matrix or whatever you want to call it. I'm like completely bought in and because of my mortgage and because of my kids and because of all this drama and stress and everything else, like I can't even begin to see anything other than my fear and my anxiety and my ego. You could be there or you could be like, hey, I'm already flying high. I'm super embodied. I'm living my purpose. What's next? And I feel like, um, because really the people that we work with are the ones who are doing the work. It's their soul that's asking for the work. And we're just here asking questions, holding space, tuning into that soul energy to see what the higher level messages actually are that are coming through. Um, and so, yeah, it's like an entirely different life. It's living an entirely different paradigm than the one I was raised with. Yeah, so so beautifully said. Uh, my name is Trace Bell. I would call myself a guide, coach, teacher, healer, uh, a lot of different words I like to use to kind of describe what I do. I grew, uh, my dad is Rob Bell. Uh, so I had, who's the the teacher and, and author. So I had a unique upbringing and I was raised in an environment where uh, I was kind of immersed in a lot of these ideas of spirituality and, and consciousness and growth. Um, I feel like ever since a little kid, I had this kind of natural curiosity and wonder about the world and also this uh, this kind of yearning to see a better world and, and this yearning to uh, work to create a better world and a world that really works for everyone. So uh, I never really felt too connected to uh, Christianity growing up. Um, so I never really felt like my spirituality was coming through uh, organized religion. I kind of had this overall kind of just natural curiosity and wonder that felt like it was kind of the grounding for my spirituality. I studied uh, political science at UCLA because uh, I was really uh, politics was my like I, I entered the field of politics because I really felt like that was the arena in which I wanted to see change happening and I and I recognized that politics is a, is a kind of uh, way of changing things so I, I kind of I followed my my political curiosities uh, but throughout college I had uh, I was immersed in a really mind dominated culture in college and that was almost like a dark night of the soul for me and, and really uh, seeing the pain of living only from the mind and being in that environment that's only from the mind, uh, which really led to an awakening uh, during my senior year of college, where I realized that uh, I I wanted to live from a much deeper place. I wanted to live from my heart. Uh, I wanted my mind to actually be in service of something rather than in being in control of my life. Uh, so that led that awakening led to me realizing that I wanted to uh, help people for, for through for work. Um, I wanted to 
um, help people live better lives, more integrated lives, but help people live uh, lives that are, are more about wholeness and living from all parts of themselves rather than just one part. Uh, so after college, I, uh, I met Tina. Uh, we started working together and we started taking people through uh, kind of group experiences and we started doing work together. Um, and then we decided to create Open Aware, which Open Aware is meant to house our work. And I think there's so many things that we envision when, when we started Open Aware. Um, we really want open aware ultimately to be like a healing force in the world. Uh, we recognize how there's so much trauma, there's so much pain, there's so much healing that needs to be done. Um, and I think we think about both of ourselves as healers. Uh, we want open aware to, to help heal uh, people individually and collectively. And we want it to help people live uh, better lives. So we're, we're really into creating all different types of content that um, helps people just live healthier, better lives in which they're living as their true selves. Yeah. Well, that sounds like uh, something that I'd want to give my life to. <laughs> so well done. Yeah. <laughs> and perhaps that's why we're hanging out and why uh, uh, we keep finding ourselves in some similar spaces. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, listeners, you might actually remember, um, I guess, I don't even remember how long it's been, uh, Trace, but we talked at one point about spiral dynamics, uh, which was awesome. And so I took that uh, spiral dynamics uh, class that both of you did, uh, which was an amazing experience. I uh, still have very fond memories of that and met a lot of cool people that I still uh, talk to uh, today, um, including both of you. Um, And then we also did, I think, Trace, you introduced me to Rupert Spira's work. And then Mm -hmm. we kind of did like... um, I don't know, it was an episode that was like a bit of a nod to, to Spira together, which I thought was a, a lot of fun. So listeners, um, you might remember that, or if you're newer to the show, then those are a lot of fun. If you dig back in the archives, you can find them. Uh, but yeah, so I was excited to see, because um, you know I'd been following your guys' work, um, just the whole like open aware thing kind of uh, launch and start to take uh, shape and form. And so what I wanted to ask was just why, why open aware? Like, where does, where's, what's the inspiration for that name? Uh, what does it come from? And then Greg always asks this question that I love. Greg, I'm going to fuck up your question, man. So maybe you should ask it. But Greg always asks people like, what is your deep joy? Is that mm-hmm. how you like to phrase it, Greg? Well, it's a paraphrase of Beekner. You know, Beekner, Beekner oh. talks about what's your deep gladness. Oh, deep and, gladness. And, and, and I do think, yeah, deep gladness, usually, the as we talked about earlier, we dial into what our deep gladness is born out of our deep pain, right? Because we are experiencing its lack and we begin to hunger for it like oxygen. And we've been underwater too long, but we don't even know what it is, especially within our cultural context and all the messages we've metabolized. Both of you articulated Um. And I love some of the, you know, uh, brain dominant, you know, uh, over intellectualization. Uh, I think that we're just acknowledging, you know, of course, a a paradigm, our existing lens on life is effectively invisible uh, until there's new data points that begin to pierce through uh, the systems. Then we begin to say something feels wrong, something, you know, uh, you know, what is what's going on and then you begin to feel like an odd duck and that you don't fit in and why don't i why isn't my life working like it's supposed to and then ultimately then we begin through that to discover our deep gladness so that's a, that's a long interruption josh to your uh clarification of saying deep joy but yeah deep joy deep gladness keep going man josh is back back to you my man 
no, you're you're good. I, I appreciate it. I don't want to uh, misquote you, especially because like, you know, you're bigger than I am and you could kick my ass. I'm not, you know, I'm nonviolent, so I can't defend myself. Um <laughs> but no, so yeah, so why open aware and like what is like why like those words, what drew you to that? And then what is kind of the deep gladness um that's kind of like undergirding everything that you do? I don't know where to start with this one other than uh, I remember we were sitting in here. So we had the the awesome experience of being able to teach the spiral dynamics course to a group from a very well-known um, coffee purveying company that's on every corner. <laughs> and um, we were really stoked about like, hey, like this could make massive change in the corporate world, like people understanding these things. And it actually, the like needing to get to receive payment from that gig is part of what, how spirit told us that it was time to, to start something official because I called my accountant and I was like, yo, what do I do? And he's like, time to start an S Corp. <laughs> but it's funny. It's the reason I share this is because we cannot dismiss the taxes, the bureaucracy, like spirit works in all of the ways, not just in a church building, not just on Sundays, like spirit works through your accountant telling you it's time. And then, so we were sitting here and we're like, it is time. And we want this, like what happens next time a company wants to engage with us? Like if you don't exist with a, like a nice introduction on the internet these days, you kind of don't, your thing kind of doesn't exist. <laughs> um, I mean, at least in, in terms of like, consulting you know like what are people paying for if you don't even have a website and so it was just really fun to sit in that space and um it took a lot of meditation it took a lot of frustration it took a lot of getting bad ideas out it took a lot of falling in love with ideas and then those urls weren't available um and and all of a sudden we came to open and aware those two words distinctly and i don't remember i i mean it had to be like spirit just straight up telling us because we can be a little dense sometimes and so a lot of times we just get things in meditation that that are you know our brains they're doing our their best but um and when those two words came to us and we did the quick search and realized we could have it with just a dash like the url it did exist with just open dash aware.com we're like, oh my gosh, this actually holds everything, right? Because the whole point of what we're doing is openness. And the next whole point of what we're doing is awareness. And those things in some ways are synonyms and in some ways are overall descriptive of where we all would benefit from going. Um, like any percentage of becoming more open and more aware will inevitably open your heart, will inevitably lead to healing, will inevitably lead to amazing conversations, will inevitably lead to the next thing to learn. Um, and so we felt like once we landed on 
it and then felt into it, we were like, oh, this is vast, which is amazing because we don't have to rename and reincorporate five years from now when we decide on another project. <laughs> so what do you want to add? Yeah, those 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 two words, open aware, were so perfect for us. When I think about when I think about the the my greatest joy, and I think about that, what was it? Was it deep gladness? What was the phrase? Deep gladness. Uh, I think back to um, when I was 13, we moved across the country from Michigan to California, and we moved to a, sp a sp space in California that wasn't didn't really work for me, which was very traumatic to me during that point in my life. And I had a phase in teenage years where I was very depressed. I mean, serious depression, uh, lots of moments where I didn't want to be here. Uh, I didn't want to live life. So that pain was 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 really real during that time. Um, and I was able to heal from that pain. And there was that, so during that time, uh, I was not open to life. I was, I was resistant to life. Uh, and I was not, I was the opposite of just the, having the joy of just being here. Uh, so the fact that I was able to heal from that pain and now that I have so much joy just being here um, and, I'm, and I have this openness to life, um, just even in those words are kind of embedded that uh, my, my deepest joy and, and, and my, my deepest gladness because uh, to me, the deepest joy is just the just being here. Um, and awareness is what's always here. There's this, you can put, we can put different words to it, awareness, being, presence, uh, but there's just this fundamental joy and uh, bliss and peace of just being here in the moment. Um, and I think about, I have that now in my life. And there was a time in my life when I had, I didn't have that. Um, so in my greatest joy right now is also, you know, the the pain of of that period of my life. So uh, just those words, open aware, has has so much for me, and I and I think that it just really embodies what we want open aware to be. We want people to be open to life, open to all that life has to give us, uh, and just being with the joy of just being here and being now. Yeah, that's that really lands. It, it makes me think about, um, and I'd be curious to to get y'all's take on this like for example so at, at second breath we are about embodied spirituality and and we kind of nest uh our a progressive welcoming christian spirituality combine it with peer-reviewed science you know because there's so much great science now in, in terms of the impact of uh mindfulness and spiritual practice and meditation and breath work on the body and the brain you know that now you know harvard is confirming what uh uh hillary of bingham said centuries ago you know and and you're seeing kind of in this mysticism, but but one thing I found, especially within mystic traditions, not just the Christian mystic tradition, but I also find it in uh, I found it in Buddhism, uh, Sufism, um, and, and some of the mystic Jewish traditions as well. That uh, not across the board, but I find almost, and, and this is how I used spiritual practice and kind of this movement to open an awareness in my own life that ended up in a harmful way. That now I think I've got a different lens on it, and I think it's a very healthy way. But I almost. You know, so when I was younger, I loved drugs, uh, and um, and really it was anesthetizing the pain. It was escaping the suffering, the hurt, and then I had this spiritual awakening. Uh, I went through, and when I was young, I when I was an evangelical, and also I went through a charismatic phase where I was trying to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues so that I could, and ultimately it was to try to have this ecstatic experience to escape the pain. Uh, again, that didn't work. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, ultimately many, and now from a, like a PCA conservative pastor to an Episcopal priest, and sometimes just hanging on to Christianity. Uh, but with mysticism and, and spiritual practice, sometimes I almost feel like it can be used in the same way as, uh, heroin 
in terms of using it for uh, the way I used it for years uh, uh, was escapist in nature. And I didn't realize it because here's the wild thing that when I would with, with all my meditation and breath work, and I would love to do it because it would create an altered state of consciousness that would kind of help me escape my pain. I was applauded for it. I was put on a pedestal within spiritual communities. And uh, what I realized and what I was actually doing ultimately was uh, unlike what you just described, described trace, like I was trying to escape life. I was trying to escape embodiment like i when i when i would do centering prayer and i would do breath work i did it so much that i could reach this blissful state uh of kind of this bright white light no pain no anxiety and then to come back to my life was like a pain in the ass like it was like oh shit now i've got to come back to reality and there was this dissonance and separation between quote unquote my daily existence and this enlightened spiritual state which i think is a, a false dichotomy but it was one that i was leaning into and would applauded for and versus what you're describing which is actually joy in in the present uh and that's not and i and i would and and we've talked about this josh before but that you know and and this might actually come trace from your dad with the bookshelves that when you talk about joy that encompasses all of life experience. That's not just shits and giggles. You know, that's not just tiptoeing through the tulips that the joy encompasses what I believe when Jesus was talking about the fullness of life, that's the full expression of what it means to be a human. And that means that, that weeping with those who weep and laughing with those who laugh and rejoicing with those who rejoice. It's the wholeness of the human experience. But in your, in your journeys with both of you and in, in kind of this evolution from head centric, uh, uh, experience to uh, a more embodied spirituality that recognizes intuition, recognizes uh, energy, um, recognizes the joy uh, in the now. I guess okay, my, I'm 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 breaking it down two parts. One, could you break down joy for me so in your words? And the second, kind of what is the story of your evolution to experiencing that in 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 the daily, and not as kind of an, an escapist. You're you're not inviting people in open and aware to a uh, tiptoeing through the tulips but what does it mean to, that that what is joy and then what does it mean to actually invite people th in your words and your experience into what it means to genuinely live on the daily in in a state of being open and aware mm. oh my gosh what a what a great question uh, i believe i believe joy is the natural state uh of of all of us i believe uh, the spiritual journey is coming back to the inherent and intrinsic joy uh, that is in all of us. And um, there's this there's this great quote from uh, the teacher Robert Adams where he says, is there anything wrong with this moment if you don't think about it? Which is like, if if we have, we're so caught up in our, our thoughts and our thinking that is constantly telling us all this stuff, is constantly resisting the present moment, ruminating on the past, worrying about the future, but there's this ever-present, just clear, awareness that's right here that's that's witnessing all of that uh, and the more so through practices like meditation through practice anything that can kind of slow the mind down and get us more into our bodies we come to that we get closer to that uh just inherently peaceful free uh joy joyful uh awareness that's right here so i believe that um the spiritual journey is really a process of deconstruction it's a de it's a deconstructing all of those 
things that are that are in our experience that are just veiling that intrinsic joy within ourselves. So the more we, again, the more we get in our bodies, the more we just uh, quiet down that mind, the more the joy just is revealed within us. Um, and that's really, that's the essence of the journey, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll add to that, that I, I have a sense as you were talking and as, as you were talking, Greg, that um, joy, just like unconditional love, isn't something we go seek to find and then achieve somewhere else. Because it's what and who we truly are, um, we actually have to go to all of the things that are keeping us separate from the knowing that that's who we truly are. And so actually over time, I've been terrified to do this work and put it out into the world, not because I have any, like, I don't know, any hesitation about the work itself, but I'm like, even now we don't like, we haven't quite found the, the perfect like way to quote unquote market because you can't promise people things the way that regular capitalism promises things. Because if anything, and as a matter of fact, the first time I met Trace, um, he was still in college and I was attending a Rob Bell workshop. It wasn't like, we didn't realize we had met, you know? <laughs> but that workshop, I got to sit across from Rob and I was um, working with an organization at the time where the CEO's energy level and, and part of the coaching program that I'm trained in has a uh, assessment that people can take about where their energy resides at seven levels, level seven being oneness, level one being like victim mentality. Um, and then what happens to them under stress under regular circumstances, this CEO's dominant energy level was victim. And we believe there are, are people who are victimized in situations. We don't believe that like I am can ever be finished with the word victim, right? We think I am is a complete sentence. Um, so obviously he had massive unhealed trauma. And what I was getting coached by Rob on was how do I actually pitch to this guy what we're here to do when he might not have any idea that where we would end up walking him into is like a massive unwinding of trauma. And I'm not trauma-informed trained. I'm not, and and so at the end of the day, I just trust spirit. I don't overly market. I, I definitely read the tea leaves as far as whether or not the person is open and ready to want to do this endeavor, right? As opposed to kind of trying to force or convince anything on anyone. But it's a tricky thing about working with organizations is because a lot of people who are doing the thing didn't sign themselves up, which is why we love spiral dynamics. That's a total aside. But um, <clears throat> the point of all of this is to say that this work is inviting people actually into their deepest pain. It's also inviting people into their brightest light, but inevitably, when we're willing to take off the numbing agents, and of course, again, we're not like addiction special, we're not asking anybody to release any of their coping mechanisms or anything like that. 
But inevitably in our work, we're saying, hey, here's who you truly are. And oh, by the way, your nervous system might need to be reset. Like check out our latest favorite thing is called Bowen technique. It's a nervous system reset that we go and see the practitioner once a week. I've done network spinal analysis uh, for years. Loved it. It's a nervous system reset technique. Um, But like inevitably, if you're being called to this, then there is going to be some really hard work to do along the way around what all has gotten in the way so that you have so forgotten your natural state of joy and unconditional love. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I love that. And I mean, that was for me, uh, one of the most difficult things, um, growing up in the faith tradition that I did was that the bad stuff was something bad stuff was something that was not talked about. I, I, you know, I didn't do that. (laughs) Um, and instead like how to put on this happy face, whatever. And so, um, the idea that uh, joy holds both of those things, uh, together, um, intention, uh, was really big for me. And um, that kind of taps in, though, to um, you guys have this like uh, course on on open aware that about wholeness, um, which I thought was really cool, because I think also, too, when you're talking about holding both of these things in tension, that's very much what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how uh, kind of you lead with this idea that um, we're already whole. And then you got are calling people back into almost to remember who they really are. Mm-hmm. And so, but from a societal standpoint, uh, things are like super fragmented, right? And we're taught that that's the opposite. Um, Peter Rollins calls it like the myth of the sacred object, right? Like if we got this thing, you know, that's out there somewhere, then we'd be whole, then we'd be complete, then we'd be happy. Um, and I also realized that the Christian faith tradition that I grew up in sold me the same lie mm-hmm. that I was not whole, that I had a cross-shaped hole <laughs> in my heart. And I had to find that thing um, to kind of make myself whole. So I just, I was interested um, just to hear you guys maybe riff on that a little bit. Like, where do you see fragmentation uh, in society? And um, what are some of the ways that you like to call people back to uh, the true self, the wholeness uh, that they really are? Oh man, the I feel like we're always talking about the ways we see the fragmentation and and uh, separation in society. I mean, I think collectively as a society, I think we're really feeling the pain of it more than we ever have before right now. So I think we're in a really interesting phase right now as humans that we're feeling the pain so viscerally. And I think this was exacerbated by the pandemic. Uh, but it it really feels like we're this is the darkest uh, the this is the darkest before the dawn um, as far as uh, humans feeling this pain because it's so visceral and so real right now. Uh, So this is really one of the challenges when we we talk about wholeness is 
how do we how do we live in wholeness well as we interact in a world that's always perpetuating uh, inundating us with messages that were uh separate and we're, we're fragmented and um you know all of the ways our, our political even the fact that we just have a, a two-party political system i mean that that only having two parties is like set up for divisiveness and separation social media uh we talk all the time about how uh social media being ad driven means they have to uh, try to get as much time on site as possible. And to get as much time time on site as possible, uh, you got to stoke people's fear and you got to get them, you got to kind of hijack the limbic uh, system to get them to to kind of be in fight or flight so they stay on uh, the site more. I mean, there's all these ways that uh, separation is kind of embedded in our system. Um, so I so I love that you mentioned the, the, um, the truth about the fact that we already are whole. I think that's the most important thing that we can remind people is that um, wholeness is not something that you have to uh, go try to achieve or something you have to go try one last piece you have to get into place before you can become whole because that's falling into the same trap and illusion of one object out there is going to fix me. Um, and this is, I mean, this is like the fundamental illusion of life is that we seek for, we seek happiness and contentment in object and objects. And the thing about objects is objects are always coming and going. So we can never actually derive true happiness or true contentment from objects so really the journey is to realize that objects will never actually fully fulfill us and fully bring what we actually desire it's actually about going within it's actually about going to that which can never be an object that which is uh, the subject subject that which is always here that which is witnessing the objects um, which is you're you're already here. You're already it. It's just a removal of all of those uh, objects and all those things that are veiling uh, your intrinsic wholeness. Um, so yeah, I think that that I'm, I'm I, I love that you mentioned that we that we led with that that truth because I thought that was uh, that that was really important I'm, and I, and I wanted to get that across to people. Mm. Wholeness might not ever be able to be understood by the mind. Uh, same with worthiness. These are concepts that we made up in order to get people to do shit. And whether that's buy more stuff, whether that's invest in fixing their bodies in some way, and I'm not talking about wellness care or healthcare, I'm talking about, you know, Botox. Um, and whether that's certain aspects of organized or certain branches of organized religion um there is something fundamentally wrong at the core when any human being is told that they are anything other than perfect unconditional love so we have a very fledgling very infrequently recorded podcast called Snapcap. <laughs> I think we've done like three episodes, but we did do one on original sin because both of us just loved to take that concept to town because it's so foreign to both of us in a way. But at the same time, I am a mom who was Catholicized enough that even 55 years post any sort of schooling or anything, she still doesn't understand life outside of these constructs of like guilt 
and shame, like so much so that she'll be like, I'm not ashamed about anything. And I'm like, yikes, right? And so this concept of original sin is just so insidious. But if we take a step back, instead of, we we talk about this a lot because, and it, it's interesting, it helps to have a partner to do this with. I did a lot of this work on my own by myself outside of partnership, and I feel like I got as far as I could. And now it just helps to have, have this as a, as a dynamic within our relationship. But like watching ourselves and our loved ones when they're open to it and ask for it when am I coming from the wounds and creating the story and creating my reality from that wounded, AKA completely false place. And that doesn't mean, so going back to joy, when my dad passed, I was already well along, this was in 2017. So I was a solid like four or five years into my journey. And so the night he, I didn't make it back to California. I was living in Chicago at the time. I had a super senior dog, so I couldn't just leave him behind and get on a plane. And so we got in the car and we only made it to Iowa and my dad passed. And the night he passed, he passed, I don't know, two or three in the morning. He visited me in my sleep that same night. So before I intellectually knew before I got the phone call in the morning that he had passed, he had already come to me and I was lucid dreaming and, and a weird dream scenario was playing out. And all of a sudden dad is standing in the foyer and he doesn't say anything. He just looks brilliantly beautiful, like middle-aged, healthy. And in my dream, I said to myself, people who are alive don't make visitations like that. Now, whether or not that's a capital T truth, doesn't matter. The point is that message was gotten to me. And I woke up and I got literally the second my eyes opened, the phone rang. Uh, it's mom saying dad had passed. And I, and I, at that moment then remembered, oh my God, he already came to see me. And so I then had three more days driving across the country with my senior dog without any family members around me with the knowing that I hadn't gotten to, you know, say goodbye in person um, with all the human things uh, with the responsibility of being safe on the road <laughs> and, um, with the transformational, with the space, almost like retreat of transformational experience able to happen in real time. I didn't have to pretend I didn't get that phone call and go to a job and focus on that job all day. I got to process and be with the transformation in real time. And what I learned from that is this key to the type of joy that you all are talking about and that Rob talks about and that we believe in heavily, which is in equal proportions, tears, um, wondrous, awe-inspiring sunsets, um, a sense that the hardest thing to get used to in that moment not, you know, in other moments, once I got home, it was hard to get used to him not being in his house. But in that moment, the hardest thing to get used to was how do I tune into my dad's consciousness now? It's so huge. When we're in bodies, our focal points are so small. And all of a sudden out of the body, he was so giant that I was like, oh my gosh, I have to retune my antenna entirely to be in relationship with him. And I say all this to say, because I think it's just so important back to the initial, initial point you were making, Greg, that 
spiritual bypassing and numbing is so damaging to our souls and to our humans. And when we talk about things like joy, we're not talking about chasing a certain feeling. We're talking about this ever-present knowingness of who we truly are. And that's where our belief of wholeness comes from. So it's fun for us to get to record a, a video course for half an hour, 40 minutes on wholeness. But at the end of the day, we probably could say the same things over and over again about whether it's unconditional love or whether it's joy. And also others and ourselves can't hear it enough times. We're human. And this whole thing's a setup, you know? And so... <laughs> We have those nights where we're just one of us, the two of us is bumming for some reason. And we really work hard to not get into negative wounded stories like we were talking about before. So instead, we'll turn our, on Eckhart Tolle on YouTube. We'll turn on P Pema Chodron and we'll get our little injection of that reminder. And or we'll let ourselves cry and or we'll let ourselves scream in a pillow or write stuff down and burn it or go on a long walk in nature. It's about being with the all of it in real time because the more we let ourselves actually be with all the experiences, then they're just being processed just like your regular old digestion. Like everybody knows how crappy it is literally to be backed up, you know? And that's how we end up emotionally and energetically with all these years of being told that we can only present ourselves in certain ways. But the more we're able to just process and digest things in real time. So I'll go back one step further to the very beginning of the podcast, talking about how do we live our everyday lives? There is no work agenda. I mean, yes, we honor our meetings unless someone is, is, you know, really not feeling well or something, but like with regard to actually like a to-do list, there is no work agenda that is more important than processing what's right in front of us. And the paradox of that is if we actually give ourselves the time and space to process right to what's right in front of us, our business strategist tells us that she's never seen people work faster and in more flow than we do. And I'm like, the funny thing is like, we didn't even do work our week, you know, because there was something we had to move through or whatever, but once it's moved, creativity, um, inspiration, passion, all the things that make for good work just naturally come through. And we want to honor that we're really, really lucky to be able to be working in this way. This is the way of the future. This isn't the way of the now for most people. Um, and again, it's a leap of faith over and over and over again. So I'll end with one last thing. Thank you guys for listening to my TED Talk. Um, the, <laughs> the last thing I'll end with is when we are with our bodies and we trust our bodies over everything, they lead us where we need to go. And making that choice is going to be terrifying over and over and over again. So it's not like, oh yeah, one day we just light switch flip. We're going to trust this body. <laughs> And then everything's going to be easy. Um, it's clear. It's uh, like Trace just said, I need to have a conversation with somebody. And I intuitively feel really strongly that this is the right thing to do. And my response is like, holy shit, you're going to have that conversation. So we had the conversation before the conversation. <laughs> and then we we both like 
we got out what we needed to get out and then trace went and had the conversation but the difference is he's not ignoring his body and i'm not ignoring mine and we naturally have different perspectives we have a lot of the same ones we could talk about enneagram at some point in time. but luckily we have some different ones too and so all of this brings us to this place where we actually have taken the invitation to take these leaps of faith over and over and over again to trust our bodies to heal our bodies and to put our internal experience first because our internal experience not from not from ignoring our wounds but not from playing out our wounds all the time but from the deepest like actually when i heal the wounds that my body has had to hold for me not only do i get more life force energy back and and very physical things like better digestion back or better sleep back or whatever i also literally get more soul energy in these tissues and at some point in time, physics will be and medicine will be able to measure that. We'll talk to them in like 30 years when they figure out how to measure it. But we know this to be true. We just do. Because once that stuff happens, Tracy's been experiencing tons of lately with this nervous system reset stuff. He's like, oh my God, like I feel like a different person. And Trace's soul energy is just like beaming out of him. And so I can't wait to see what the next thing is that he creates because all of a sudden there's like way more room in this vessel for like the truth of this amazing being that is trace i second that <laughs> <laughs> well there's so much oh my god that was so so much goodness i took so many notes and there's no way i can get to all of them we're gonna have to have you all back soon um but it, a, a couple things you know one the description of uh and, and josh this was to your question and then how both of you just answered it um, you know, I think that um, one of the very harmful paradigms, as we've talked about, is the idea that we are inherently uh, broken, uh, we're inherently messed up, uh, you know, for, for part of my journey as a five point Calvinist, you know, with uh, a total depravity, I was inherently a piece of shit. Um, and, and one wild thing, not, not only not only did I was taught that, but I remember there, I took this course called Sonship, which is in, obviously even by the name of it, it's in, intrinsically patriarchal. Um, but it was this idea that we're the beloved sons and children of God. And the way to really understand your belovedness, they had this chart and it was this cross chart uh, where you you have this conversion and on one side going up is your awareness of God's holiness. And the other side is your awareness of your sinfulness, that the more you're in the brightness of God, the more you realize what a piece of shit you are. And, and then the cross, the cross expands in that uh, funnel uh, as you grow. And so the idea was the more that you realize you're inherently a piece of shit, and the more you realize God forgives you and loves you anyway, the bigger the cross gets and you'll know how loved you are. And I bought that hook, line, and sinker. So I attacked myself with a microscope to pick apart every motive, every thought, which of course, you know, I, I, I dug into myself and I, and ultimately I was just like, I am such a completely, you know, below worm level piece of shit. And, and I kept thinking the more that I understand this, the more I'm going to understand love and the more I'm going to stand the forgiveness of God, the more I'm going to send our beloved. I can just say now. It, it, for any poor listener who still might be dabbling in that theology, it is really harmful and it is not helpful and it is a bill of goods. 
It does not lead to transformation. It does not lead to freedom. It does not lead, lead to love. Uh, versus where kind of Merton went, or in the words of Gerard Manley Hopkins, the immortal diamond uh, that is already there uh, within us, that we we already are uh, intrinsically beautiful and whole. And it's more of a... If, if, if anything of this work you're doing, what is identifying the existing uh, harmful paradigms and constricting beliefs and narratives and stories uh, that we have metabolized that are hindering uh, this expression of this already present wholeness? And Because I, I do think within, even with spiritual circles and mystical circles, and not just within Christians, but especially just the, the spiritual, we get so laborious about building our, you know, all the work and all the stuff, and it just can, can become anxious uh work of trying to become whole i'm trying to or even just i'm trying to uncover my wholeness and it's it's so much more in what i'm hearing you describing it is work but it is work of embracing it's work of letting go um and when we talk about the body at, at, at second breath we talk about the body as the first brain um mm -hmm. you and that even on the most basic level and, and one thing i wanted to ask you you all about because i think it's so critical to what you're both describing you know, I, I found that, um, and I know the Southeast is a little bit different than California. Maybe I've, I've read, you know, maybe, uh, <laughs> but the Bible Belt might just be a whisper different than San Francisco. Uh, but the, uh, you know, when when we talk about, you know, it's there. Uh, just even not that long ago, we had someone call up Second Breath, and they they said, "Now, are y'all are y'all liberal?" And I just was curious. I mean, we're progressive, we're, we're very progressive. But I, I was just curious, you know, why do you ask that? Well, I see that y'all have yoga. And it was just like that even yoga, yoga. And I really believe it's because it's a body practice, something so simple mm -hmm. as something that has to do with the body. We're such a head-centric culture where we've been taught that the mind is this priceless Stradivarius violin and the heart and the body are like kazoos. You know, they're just these lame instruments. And how do we actually recognize? And, and then we've not been taught to pay attention to the body. You know, there, there's, there's language inherent in our culture that says, trust your gut, what's my gut instinct, but even that's a bit woo-woo. But when we talk about learning to actually trust your body, and I really believe, in, in my own experience of really cultivating awareness of the body, that I believe every sensation in the body is, is equal in intelligence or wisdom as a thought in the head, and even more so in many cases, because if I have a conflict between my head and my body, I go with my body. Um, but how, so for, for those of our listeners that are kind of like, what are they talking about in terms of body awareness and because it's kind of like adults you know you can't teach an old dog new tricks but i think once you get to a certain age which might even be like 18 honestly we begin to get stubborn about wanting to learn new things and most of us when we begin to pay attention to the body and the sensation in the body and the wisdom of the body it feels wobbly like learning to ride a bike and that we might you know what the hell is this this is woo woo um what what do you mean by listening to the body and just for kind of a uh a 101 explanation of how do we actually begin to cultivate an awareness of the body's wisdom mm. uh, i'll start mm -hmm. uh i i would start by uh just going to the pure sensation of the body mm -hmm. so i think this is the 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 first starting point is just to Put your awareness on the sensation of your body and like we all have some way that we know we have a body because there's some sensation present in our awareness most of the time we're uh thinking so many thoughts we're kind of wrapped up in the thoughts that we're not really paying attention to the, paying attention to the sensation 
But when we just come to that pure raw sensation, there's some sensation that tells you, hey, I have a body right here. And if you just stay with that sensation for a while, you'll notice that your mind just starts to quiet down a little bit. You'll notice that your thoughts start to subside. So I think that's the most powerful entrance into all of this is just to get an experiential uh, kind of realization of feeling into the body just brings this almost just kind of groundedness. And it just, it brings uh, this ability just to be right here because that sensation of the body is always right here. Um, and like you said, Greg, you know, people's uh, people's views and change because of experiences, not because of more, more, uh, thinking about stuff. So, uh, when we talk about the body, I think just going to the actual sensation of the body is the most important part. Um, and then breath, uh, breath is a huge key to me is, is paying attention to the breath. When we're, when we're lost in our head, our breath tends to get very shallow, but when we focus on really breathing deep into our lower belly, um, and then exhaling very deeply, um, this really brings us into the body, slows the mind down, uh, and we really find this uh, joy in just breathing. Like just taking a deep breath just feels so good. And the more that you do it, the more it just brings this just natural joy. And and the breath connects us uh, to everything. I mean, your 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 worst enemy just took a breath right now. Like the the no no matter who it is, we're 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 taking a breath. This is how we breathe. This is how we bring life into our bodies. Um, so really just getting into the actual sensation of what it feels like to feel the body, getting to the sensation of breath, um, all of the wisdom is, is right there. All of that, we don't get into the body by thinking more about it. We actually just go into the real sensations that are always right here. Uh, so that's where I would start with. Uh, I want to see where Tina goes with this. Yeah, I couldn't. Well, I, I think you're spot on and I can't help but immediately think about all the people who can't breathe deeply because of the trauma in their bodies because that's so anxiety producing um if you are one of those people who can't who doesn't have current access to your deepest breaths number one it's not your fault you've done nothing wrong and number two please investigate using your own intuition a trauma healing modality. Um, we mentioned Bowen technique. We mentioned network spinal. Um, EMDR has been really effective for me. Um, something called NARM and NARM has been really effective for me. Um, there are a couple books we tend to recommend. One's called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And then another one is called Wisdom of the Body by Hilary McBride. Um, educate yourself, use that strong mind that has protected you from these sensations in the body for so long to understand more as to what's really going on here so that you can bring yourself peace and freedom without it being forced. So recently I've been experiencing a shoulder injury. I call it an injury. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know how I quote unquote did it or it happened, but it's on my dominant shoulder and I am a ball sports enthusiast of all types. <laughs> so not being able to throw or play tennis or, or shoot hoops or whatever is like a very noticeable detriment to my life. And 
I have experienced bouncing through different healing modalities. And at one point in time, I came across something that was kind of, I guess I would describe it as like a myofascial release kind of technique. And if these aren't familiar terms and you're curious, you can, you can Google it. I am not an expert on being able to describe the intricacies of that, but the person, the practitioner was kind of forcing my arm places that it didn't necessarily want to go. And I believed at the time that, and, and this might still be true, that that was powerful healing for me because it felt so frozen that maybe it needed to kind of have some pain. And, and the first session, especially a lot of tears and some screaming and a lot of tears. And so I was like, okay, that clearly there's stuff trapped in there. But then over time, after about four sessions, I started to come to realize like, this actually feels like a very masculine way to approach an injury. We're going to take something that's not quite working externally, try to force it into a different position. And so what seemed like maybe it needed a little bit of that juice at the beginning to kind of unlock some scar tissue, let's say, or whatever it was that was in there started to become really harmful. And so I start going to the, the Bowen technique person. And after four sessions, my nervous system is healing my shoulder. And the whole reason that I'm saying this, I can almost throw completely again. I know I could play tennis. Um, I like it's, it's back. Like I can sleep on my shoulder. I don't have constant pain. Like a lot of indicators are back and I'm like this close to being able to like throw a football or something. And so with all of that being said, I really want to encourage people who are listening the both and of starting to understand the political importance of being in your body. We're supposed to have sovereignty and agency. We're supposed to be an educated electorate. And when we're not in our bodies, we are very easily persuaded and we're very easily hijacked into fear. Social media um, exacerbates that exponentially. The only way that we will be a part of resisting, and I'm not talking about any particular political party, because at the end of the day right now, we need a, a total rethinking of how our democracy could move forward because we're, we're at a breaking point. So whatever beliefs you have that you strongly hold that led you to say, I'm going to vote for this person or that person, how can you make sure those are coming from the things that you truly believe to be true, as opposed to what someone else, somewhere else, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a politician, whether it's a boss, whether it's a parent, whatever that is, we carry around so many conditioned ideas that are not our own. And the only way to take back our power is to first get back in our bodies. And as we do that, we get to take our heads along. So we get to educate ourselves as to why this is so important. We get to educate ourselves as to the people who are, for example, deconstructing from their own traumatic Christianity and uh, finding a new way forward with more embodiment. We get to look at the scientists who are talking about why this matters so much. We get to look at people who 
actively heal trauma in and PTSD in military servicemen and in rape survivors. And, and we get to piece together whatever it is that we personally need on this path to fully understand and then invite yourself into your body and find out where you're at and what you're comfortable with. And don't force yourself into a level of change that your body isn't ready for because that is another level of trauma. And what we're trying to do here is unwind the trauma and convince ourselves, prove to ourselves that we are actually worthy of being the stewards of these vessels and that we can be trusted to take this stewardship and make a life out of it. And so more trauma doesn't take us there. More gentleness, more surrender, more softness, more listening to the next right step, no matter how small that is, is actually gonna be the thing that kind of unwinds us out of all of this. I, I, thank, I, I so resonate, I appreciate that. and that idea of the approach of, uh, it's really is, it's, you know, it's gentleness. It's, it's an unbracing, uh, it's a, well, I, I, it's a letting go in, but I, I don't like that phrase, uh, because of the let go, let God, uh, bumper sticker, but the, <laughs> um, but although there's, I appreciate the, the depth of it, but not the, the <laughs> superficiality of it, but I feel like it, it's so this movement of gentleness and, and I do believe that breath, it's such a it's such a easy beautiful access point to begin to understand the wisdom of the body and and you know one of the things if you watch a baby sleeping you know their their whole body moves when they sleep like a wave they're so relaxed so embraced that their whole body moves and if you look at the average adult like maybe you'll see a little belly movement but the whole body rest is rigid with tension and like, like you talk about you know when we go through trauma we go through hardship even if you see a baby hear a loud noise their whole body jerks you know it's this it's this bracing response and what happens as you described you, we were talking about is that over time on, on, a, on a, a neuromuscular level on a body level we begin to hold this tension within ourselves and so I, one of the things I do is I, I, I teach people to breathe. I just teach people, I have full sessions of teaching people to take a full breath. And usually it takes multiple hours, multiple, many hours of sessions to get them to even begin to take their very first breath. Mm. Um, that, uh, that, that and, and of course, they have no idea. Most people probably don't even realize that they are only breathing with maybe 50% of their lung capacity, that the, the rest is held in this neuromuscular tension that's slowly crept up on them over decades. Uh, and, and, and that as you begin, as the body's the first brain, as you begin to release that tension in the body, uh, you're, you're releasing trauma that you could never access through cognitive therapy, uh, uh, that, that you're beginning to unbrace. But, and one of the things we do, and I teach, we teach lots of different breath modalities. Some are much more intensive than others. But one thing that is key in what you're describing is I always say to the person, you're the captain of the ship. You, you are determining the pace of uh, what is good for you. That if, if the way that I'm modeling the breath, and I've been doing this for a long time, it might be pretty robust. It might sound like I'm out for a pretty fast paced run. And you're, in a, but you need to calibrate to where you are because I've seen when, you know, type A 
Enneagram threes or ones, you know, begin to do this work, they're going to fucking crush it. And they are going <laughs> to, uh, they're getting healed today. Um, and then what happens is they start breathing, you know, they start accessing stuff. And all of a sudden, they're literally in a pile weeping. Like we have to have trained facilitators. And usually I even have therapists on staff, on staff available because sometimes people are accessing long-held trauma. And I'll have people begin to blubbering, uh, uh, blubbering cry and falling apart, almost wailing. Uh, and they have no idea why, because it's this long-held trauma in their bodies beginning to bubble up. And so part of it is uh, really encouraging people to move at their own pace. But I love this. That, that might sound terrifying then for anyone to try breath work. It really, it, you can start slow. It's, it's, really, so it's so cathartic. It's yeah. totally beautiful. We don't need to be afraid of blubbering, crying. Like, no, it, it brings it feels really good. Yeah. And I can say, and the pillow, the pillow screaming, like you were talking about and the, and if we're in a safe space, I mean, ultimately we're not going to, the only time we're going to change is if we feel safe and, and uh, d- deeply held in, in safety. And I love that, that that breath work and what you're describing open and aware it sounds to me and 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 just maybe nuance this uh but what you're passionate about is creating safe spaces for people to experience their wholeness Mm -hmm. that is already existing and and through that you're giving them tools you're giving them teaching because we're, we're not negating the brilliance of the brain uh but as you were talking about it's in service uh to this deeper wisdom uh it's not the uh uh the 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 dictator uh calling the shots because i did you know again i think the mind often operates in in either or us them subject object and, and the body and it's also either future or past whereas the body is always conveniently located in the present moment um and but so with with your work, how would you invite people to begin to get involved? Like if people are curious, people want to learn more, uh, people want to begin to put their toe in the water, figure out what, how do we shift out of this uh, tyrannical uh, head centric system that I believe is both cultural and dominant in organized religion in the West. Uh, and how do we begin to actually experience the freedom and the joy of the present moment and embodiment how, how do we get how do, do wh- where do you go Simon, you can do your yeah go for it okay so um i love that and i guess one thing i want to say about um what you were saying about what we're inviting people to were our our primary enneagram types for both of us are sevens and so the <laughs> we got four sevens are there four sevens in a podcast what ha- has that ever Four sevens in a podcast? Holy shit. We're about to combust. It's time continuum. Um, so I was the the word that came to me, and this is totally blue, but we love everything about that. Um, we're your cosmic concierge. And so, like as sevens, <laughs> I love your reaction, Josh. Um, as sevens, you know, we don't have we have as a potential place in strength or in health to go visit being a five for a little while, but we don't have that same thing that fives have of like, I am going to understand every little bit of this thing, right? So we'll get to a certain depth and we'll realize like, okay, we have enough to share. And so I feel like that just kind of as an orienting framework for people who understand a bit about the Enneagram really kind of helps understand what we're trying to do build here with open aware. We want people to be able to come and dabble enough whether they want to take an online course or read a blog post or engage in a session with us, 
we want them to get enough. Like when people leave sessions with us, our hope is that they have more resources to choose from than they would ever actually like blast their way through, right? Because it's not about us saying you need to learn this, this, and this, and then come back and take a test. It's like, hey, here's some possibilities. And once you go down these rabbit holes, maybe one of them will point you to even something else we haven't even found yet. We don't know, but like we're inviting you to a whole energy of adventure and exploration and joy as you do all of this. Um, and so the very best place in, in our view to start um, would be one of two places. If you want to kind of experience our energy without going full in, we have a course called Head to Heart. That's a three-parter and it takes a week. Um, you know, like each one's like a half an hour or something, but they are distributed over the course of a week. And it's just a really good dabbling in who are we and what are we really talking about here? What are some of the practices? What are some of the things we can actually do to start moving from our heads to our hearts? And then of course, our like set our, our big yay, ta-da course is living the spiral, which is our take on spiral dynamics. We just released the online self-paced version. It does come out over the course of seven weeks, which seems like a long time, but this is why I think you guys will both really appreciate this. When Josh took it, he took it in a seven week live format. But the reason we kept it that way, instead of saying you have access to all the materials at once, is we don't want to facilitate or support things becoming more brain candy. We want to actually offer the opportunity for things to become an embodied part of the way people live. And of course, we can only give the invitation, but we have the feeling that if you, let's say you're taking it on Sundays. Sunday, you watch a 30 minute video about this stage midway through the week. I forget if it would be Wednesday or Thursday, you would get a little video snippet from us about some of our favorite resources and some extra places to look. By the end of that week, even if you haven't done any activities or dove deeper into any resources, you would have a sense in the world, a lived experience of what we're talking about when we're talking about stage beige. And so some part of your consciousness, some part of your awareness has shifted, has changed. And then you get the next Sunday stage purple. Whereas if we just like toss it out to your point of some of our beloved um, kind of like overachievers in the world, you you can very possibly binge watch. <laughs> I don't know if it's as interesting as binge watching the Kardashians, but you could possibly binge watch us for four hours on one day, but really remain relatively unchanged in the process. And so staying true to we want to really offer the opportunity for transformation and make the invitation as um kind of like soul inviting as possible even though the ego might like think differently about it like actually you know what 30 minutes once a week is a very kind of like reasonable pace to be able to do some learning at so i'll let you take on like the larger some of the larger questions around the um I don't know you had some questions regarding joy and I don't know if I remember the end of it oh remember? yeah would you would you remind me of the the question you know I'm, right now I'm just uh surfing on the 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 goodness and the opportunities y'all just laid out there I, I'm <laughs> I'm but I'm sure my question was absolutely genius I'll go back and so listen to it later. fucking genius Greg you're gonna be so proud <laughs> I know I can't wait I can't I'm gonna skip ahead we're partying I'm going yeah, to skip cool. ahead the whole podcast just to my question to hear how yeah. brilliant it was. <laughs> uh, 
no, but anyway, I, I but I, I know that we're we're pushing now up against uh our the time that we have with you. It's almost eight thirty. But um, yeah, but I, I do think there's so much here, I, and I would love to have uh both of you on for, for another dive i was gonna say that just means we have to do round two greg we i'm serious like I as long as we even... didn't scare trace and tino away if we did yeah. that oh my god opposite sevens are unscarable yes yeah. <laughs> and when you and and what happens like four four sevens walk in a bar i don't even know there's i'm just now it's a whole different uh energetic frequency where like if we're long for, for five more minutes this actual you know zoom might explode but <laughs> Uh, but, 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 but genuinely, um, I feel like there's so much here to explore. I feel like we just barely got to me. I'd love to do a whole exploration of wholeness, a whole diving into kind of the, you know, we have different names for it, but kind of as y'all define the specific, uh, pieces of heart, mind, and will, um, and what that means, uh, intersections with, uh, trauma. And, and as we begin to release that, uh narrative and story. i feel like there's so much here um so so we would really love to have you back but i can just say uh it thrills me uh when uh, whether i'm on an airplane or whether i'm listening to a podcast or whether i'm reading a book or whether we're uh you know here having conversation to find to, to bump into people that are living into their unique way of being in a way that is so resonant with what i believe is this next evolutionary wave energetic wave of healing that's happening uh in the world and to see the unique expression of it in new ways in ways that i'm like oh shit that's awesome i can't believe this is happening i can't you know and i'm just like you know it, it's just is thrilling so um i definitely encourage you is there a website that y'all have yeah it's www.open-aware.com and then also you can find a bunch more goodies on Trace's website. Trace Bell with three L's because Trace is the third. Trace is a nickname because I'm the third Robert Holmes Bell. Oh. So my nickname was Trace because Trace is three in Spanish. But I just uh, learned that about you, Trace. <laughs> since, no I'm, way. Since, since I'm white, it was spelled T-R-A-C-E and not T-R-E-S. The fun fact. No cultural So the name there. Bell with three L's. <laughs> Yeah, no cultural appropriation. We didn't. Rob Bell didn't want to get canceled. Um, That's smart. Yeah, very wise. Very wise. Well, then he shouldn't have written "Love Wins." No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he was only let's canceled on by the guy. He was let's only pick canceled. on the guy that says love is important. And yeah, yeah get the yes. fuck out of here. And that maybe there's yeah. not a hell. That's right. <laughs> no, but yeah, but uh, yeah. Thank you guys uh, so much. And I just offhanded comment. I just want to say that this whole conversation. Uh, Y'all sound like a whole bunch of uh, process thinkers using words like invitation and alluring. And I'm just super happy about that because I love to pr plug process thought, process, process philosophy uh, whenever I get a chance. It plays very nicely traced with some of like the, um, you know, like Spears, like an idealist, but like I like personal ideas, idealism. So it, it all plays nicely. Anyway. So um, you're telling like, us you're going to inform us more about this on the next episode? Yeah. That's the next episode. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And also, I want to talk to you guys That's about psychedelics. Eight. That's part eight. Yeah, part eight. And psychedelics is part nine. <laughs> <laughs> but I I would love to. Yeah, this was so much fun. Here. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, seriously, thank you guys so much. I have um, uh, a variety of things here that I'm going to put in the show notes, like books you mentioned. Uh, websites, all that kind of good stuff. Awesome, um, thank and, you. And yeah, hopefully we'll be able to hang out again in the future because this was just way too much fun. 
We really hope so. Uh, this uh, is you guys are both doing such amazing yeah. things in the world, and thank you for sharing your whole whole hearts, whole beings with us. It was an absolute joy to be here. We'd love to be back. Yeah. Thank yeah. You thank you guys so much, and uh, listeners, as always, thanks for uh, hanging out and go in peace. Yeah.